and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. And I'm Chris. And this week, we're short kitty, but we're going to be talking about sandbox games. What's a sandbox game? These are games you play in a sandbox. Or when it comes to board games, they're a little different. But we'll talk about that and why you might like or not like sandbox games. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake. Huge thank you to all our other patrons. Also, if you want to join us live, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Fletcher, how was your week? Yes, it was good. What did I do? Um, Carmen's feeling a little ill, so I've been taking care of Carmen. And uh, we've just been, you know, building an ark because it has been raining <laughs> for like over a day, just like nonstop heavy rain. Yeah, I was watching the football game Sunday night. So Sunday night football was essentially just rain for three and a half hours. It was a very interesting game. If you're into football, it was a very interesting game to just watch people play in monsoons. And then it feels it like was- that's here now. I've been trying to like time when I can take my dog out because I'm like, okay, when is it doesn't look like it's going to stop raining, but maybe it'll just rain a little bit lighter (laughs) so I can take her out and she won't get totally soaked. But, you know, she ends up going through the grass anyway and just, you know, gets all wet paws and everything. So, yeah, that was fun. My favorite app on my phone is Dark Skies. And if you don't don't have Dark Skies on your phone, then you're using your phone wrong. It is amazing. It's available. Well, it may only be available iOS now because Apple bought them. But essentially, it tells you to the like meter where you're at what's going to happen in the next hour. So it's like, okay, it's downpouring right now. How long do I have to wait before I can go out? If I wait for 16 minutes, the rain will stop for five minutes. And that's exactly what it does. Like, it's phenomenal. Apparently, we're very good at it. It's a great. Uh, yeah. Yeah telling the weather within the next hour so we we will often do that in the morning we're dropping off the kids it's like okay it's a downpour right now we have to wait for 12 minutes exactly before we put them in the car and then we have to drive slow because it's going to rain for another five minutes and then it'll stop for three minutes and we can get them in the daycare center and we'll dodge the rain so i think other people have it too because we see the same rush same people are like getting there (laughs) jumping out of the car at the same time how was your weekend, Chris? I went to Gamehole Con, a small little, I say quote unquote small. It is a small. Um, I would say there was probably somewhere between 1,500 and 2,500 people and a outside of Madison. And this was, obviously, it was canceled last year. This year, it was on, again, obviously. But I didn't <laughs> sign up for anything because typically what I do, we'll have a booth there. I'll run games and stuff, but I just wasn't sure what the situation was going to be, who was going to be able to be there, um, all of that. So I'm like, I'm just going to go. And didn't want to commit. I, that's really what it was. Is I did not want to commit. Yeah. So I'm like, didn't want to commit the podcast. Yeah. I definitely didn't want to do yourself. that because that's just committing me and then putting a brand on it when we fall through. So I'm like, eh, <laughs> let's just not do that at all. But, uh, yeah, so we I brought some games that I wanted to play 
that I'd played a few times and wanted to play. And then I brought some games that I hadn't played, and I got all of my games played. Uh, thanks a lot to Michael Yanikowski, who's in our live studio audience right now, because I made him play Car Wars with me. And Wait, live studio audience? Our live studio I think audience. You've been watching too much live, no, too much 90s television. We built a stadium. You can't see the stadium? Oh, I didn't invite you, and I, I put you in a box. That that's what makes more sense. <laughs> I could do the record in a studio. I could do the zoom filter that makes it look like everyone's in a studio. If that makes you feel better. But I don't know about that. But yeah, no, I got all the games that I wanted to play played, and it was quite a bit of fun. And since this episode is going to be a little bit chaotic anyway, because um, well, you'll, I mean, it's us. I'm going to talk about a few of these games, and then one of them is going to segue into the episode topic. Seem reasonable? Seems good. All right. Have you ever played a game called The Crew? Uh, no. All right. I have not. You should. So most people will know that this is a cooperative trick-taking game. Essentially, The Crew, the original version, you have 50 different missions and a deck of small cards and a deck of big cards. Um, it's basically your standard... Eh, it's not a standard deck of cards. It's four suits from one to ten. And then... Uh, four cards from one to four that are your trump suit. And what you're trying to do is, based on the mission, you'll, you need to not only take tricks, but you have to take tricks with specific cards in them. So I might have to take the blue four, and you might have to take the red nine. And we have to play a trick-taking game without communicating with each other and get it so that I can take the blue four, you can take the red nine, and whoever else is playing with us, it plays three to five, um, doesn't take either of those. If ever someone takes the wrong card or you don't satisfy what you need, you lose that round and you have to start over again. And the game is immensely fun. Um, John says one to nine, not one to ten. Um, correct. One to nine plus one to four. So there's 40 cards in, in the deck. And I think, yeah. So, and... It is a lot of fun. And then they came out, and this the first version was set in space. So there's a loose space theme around it. And then they just recently came out with the second version, which is set underwater. And I would know that the crew two. It, it's not called the crew two, but it really should be called the crew two. What's the name of the crew two? Um, I want to get the the actual name here, and that is a terrible thing to Google because that is just not it. But um, someone's going to tell me in chat what it's called. The Crew Mission Deep Sea? That's the one. This game takes the crew and makes it even better because this doesn't have – it doesn't have the small deck of cards where you're just kind of randomly pulling like, you know, you can't take this or you must take that or whatever. It has a stack of I don't know, probably 50, 60, 70 gold cards. And each one of them has a different difficulty rating on it based on the number of players. So when you're playing a particular mission, you need five difficulty points of gold cards. And you just keep flipping cards until you hit that five points exactly. So if you're ever going to go over, you skip that card and you go to the next one. And it can create, like you're never going to play the same mission twice unless you're replaying that mission because you failed. And the goals are <laughs> much more interesting. I, I mean, it's, it's it's a thing. But the goals are much more interesting because you can just, like, it's just, it's so cool. So we ended up playing this Saturday morning in the hotel lounge for, like, two and a half hours, just killing time until we were going to go over to the convention center. And we're like, oh, well, we can play Who's a couple we? hands. 
and just we just didn't stop playing until like okay i'm gonna be late for my game so i have to go i highly recommend who is we oh oh that was me jen um of uh, one of our patrons jennifer Angerbet, and sydney and jen's friend elizabeth so it was four player games and we just and elizabeth had never played before so we're like okay well we'll start from the beginning here's one point here's and by the end time you finish that very first round you're like oh i get it this makes sense and then all right let's add another one let's add another one and then we our first one we lost it actually wasn't a random goal it was um oh maybe it was a random goal i don't know there's a combination of goals where like Okay, so you need this and you need this, and then we all need to do this. Uh, okay, so we did it the first time and failed. We did it the second time and failed. We did it the third time and succeeded, and that was like triumphant because once you're not able to do it, as soon as you're able to do it, you're like, yay, we did it. So anyway, that was <laughs> a ton of fun, and you should play The Crew Mission Deep Sea. If you have the first one, you should get this one. I know some reviewers say, it's just like the crew. So if you have the first one, you don't really need this one. I disagree. I believe this is a full replacement for the first one. First one's fine. This one is so much better because it removes all the little fiddly tokens about, you know, one, two, three, alpha, omega, all that stuff. Removes all of that and just puts it all into these gold cards and makes it so much easier, so much more streamlined, so much more replayability. Um, it's, it's just great. It's just great. Sound interesting? Yeah, um, I think we, I mean, we've talked about this game before because I, I Googled it and I'm like, oh, yes, this game. But uh, I've never played it. So I'll put that on my list. Well, it is going to be now my wedding gift to you. Excellent. <laughs> that and a new recorder. Sydney reminded me that I needed you a recorder as a wedding gift. But get the crew for Fletcher. I'm just going to keep giving you like <laughs> piling up lists of wedding gifts I need to give you until I finally actually do that. And then you're just going to get an Amazon cartload until of stuff it, sent your way. <laughs> until you pull the trigger and then it's going to be like, why is the Amazon truck here? And they're just backing up. <laughs> it's just a dump <laughs> truck of all these boxes <laughs> falling out. <laughs> it's like, wait, I don't have room for this. I know. Because now you have to give them to me to store for you. Wahahaha. <laughs> Just like your so uh, gift of game for me is a gift of game for you. It is. It really is. It's like here's a bowling ball with my name on it. No, really, I'll keep <laughs> it for you. I mean, I'm old school. That was my favorite Simpsons episode. Um, let's see what else did we play? Um, obviously, Car Wars. So we played a three player game. It was me, Michael, and Sydney playing Car Wars. Where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make a track, and we have to race around the track, and we have to get around the track three times. And each time we have to destroy a barrel. Well, we didn't actually make it around the track a single time because we just blew each other up making it around the track. But it was a ton of fun. And I'm like, all right, next time it's going to be one lap around the track. And that'll be good because, yeah. But what? Wait, hold on. What incentive do you have to make it around the track three times as opposed to just blowing each other up? Well, the mission, the goal, the way I thought about it was the goal was if you can make it around the track three times and you're the first person to do it, then you win. Also, if someone gets destroyed, then whoever's in the best shape at that point would be the winner. So I, I like basically when one person's eliminated, you just end the game and decide a winner as opposed to, you know, having actual player elimination. But that was my idea. It's like, it's, this is a race, a race where you're shooting at each other. Uh, the thing is, we played with really small cars. So those races, so. Our cars didn't actually sustain a whole lot of damage as we were shooting at each other. So I ended up limping over the one lap line 
just as Sydney was getting blown up by Michael, who ended up winning the game from behind. But that was a ton of fun. And I'm like, all right, next time we're just doing one lap and first person around wins. So that was that was fantastic. Uh, we played the new game from Stonemeyer Games, which is called Rolling Realms, which is only a little bit new because it was a print and play that was released during the pandemic. And the way this game works is there's 11 different cards, each one representing a game that Stonemeyer has released. So all of his, his 11 games, there's a card for each one of those, which is kind of like a mini roll and write game in itself. And every round, you're going to have three of these cards, and everyone will have the same three cards. And you're going to roll two dice, and you're going to do that nine times. And you can choose one card for one die, one card for the other die. You're trying to earn stars, like you're trying to earn in most of his games, trying to earn stars. At the end of three rounds, where you've now played nine different mini games, uh, you, the person with the most points wins. And as far as a roll and write's concerned, I really liked it. You will like it a lot better if you like Stonemeyer games. If you don't like Stonemeyer games, it's still good, but it's not so good where I'd be like, this should be your very first Stonemeyer game ever. It's just, there's a lot so of nostalgia. Like, if, if you like all the Stonemeyer IP, then get this game. Then, yeah. If you, even if you like half of it, if you like four or five Stonemeyer games, get this. And you're at, at the end of the day, I was looking at him like, I don't own this game, this game, or this game. Should I? And then your <laughs> Amazon an card got for bigger. the other games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I really did like it though, and there is a solo version that they actually have. It's like a nine hole mini golf uh, solo version that I haven't played yet. But you can like there's rules for just playing it, and it's it's its own solo mode, which is interesting because Stonemaier is known for the Automa Factory doing their single player uh, stuff, which are always like. They're not bots, but it's it's simulating. It's like, the cart. it's like you have to like draw, right? It's like yeah. the simulated stack draw thing. Yeah. It's a sim- yeah, and it basically simulates the board changing a way other players would change it. But it's you're not playing another player. So, um, but right. the solo mode in this one is its own little mini game on top of all of the other mini games. Uh, let's see, what else did I end up playing? Oh, the loop. This is a co-op game that is all the rage right now. Everybody's like, oh, the loop, the loop, the loop. And I have to say, I'm on the bandwagon of the loop, the loop, the loop. (laughs) So this is... It's... it's, uh, It would be underselling it to say it's pandemic in a circle. But it's not necessarily the worst way to describe it. So... It's not the best way, though. So basically what happens here is I think there's seven different time zones, not zones, but eras. Eras is what they call them. Seven eras in time. And they they look like a hexagram, hexagon if you look at it, but obviously there's seven sides, so it's more of a sectagon. Heptagon? He- is that I what it is? Heptagon? Okay. That's what it I is. so. Um, and you have this cube tower that has three different shoots that come out of it. So one of these eras is where Dr. Foe is going to be. Yeah, Dr. Foe, F-A-U-X. He is going to be in this era. So you point the middle um, exit of this little cube tower towards that. So when you drop a cube on it, it can go to that era or it can go to an era before or after it. 
But you look at the era he's in and you see how many clones of him are in that era. And then you add two to it and that's how many cubes you're going to drop. If any era ever has more than three cubes, a vortex is created. And if there's ever a fourth vortex that needs to be created, then you lose the game. So that's your what you're trying to keep from happening. It's the equivalent to keeping the epidemics um, from happening. On your side, there's always two missions that you're trying to accomplish in two different eras. And if you ever complete four missions, then you win. And that's the equivalent to curing four diseases. And that's the game. Now, I again, this is nothing like Pandemic, but it's easiest to think of it as a pandemic-style game, where there's constantly new things coming at you. You're going to draw a card each time, and I mean, more it seems like out. pandemic where where you have to like there's objectives that you need to complete, um, but then there's like these you know other things that you also need to mitigate that like you know keep that keep popping up, and you can't get, let those get out of hand. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to lose. And the interesting thing about it is the characters. So there's six characters i believe and they all have their own special ability but you also have they all have their own deck of artifact cards and the artifact cards are how you're going to interact with these clones and these cubes and you also have energy cubes that you can use to trigger different effects and that's what makes it interesting is it's actually a deck builder inside of this so your character is going to be picking up artifacts that you'll be able to use on your next turn and then once you run out of cards, you should reshuffle and then draw again. So it's this deck builder inside of this pandemic-like, you know, save the time stream game. Plus, there are four different game modes. Each one of them have like a little bit of different rules that allow you to vary the game up in that way. And the artwork is, I think it's a love it or like it. Um, it's hard to hate it because it is the theme that it is. Um, some people may love the artwork. I I liked it. It was completely fine. But it definitely I'm has personality. It. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like a, like an older school, like 90s cartoon in a way. Yes. Like a Hanna-Barbera, but like, but like Hanna-Barbera in a good way and not yeah. a bad way. Yeah, it's it is a lot of hokey fun. The rule book is written in such a way where it's entertaining to read and play. And I I highly recommend it. If people, if you like cooperative games, this game is one that you should at least play, if not just own outright. Because if you like pandemic and you like deck building, it's an absolute must-have. If you like either of those systems, then you probably should have it. <laughs> John's how would handle cool. ever be in <laughs> How would Hanna-Barbera ever be in a bad way, John asks. Oh, my gosh. Legit. Have you ever watched any of those cartoons? <laughs> hey, you're talking on, about my childhood ape? right now. Really? Grape ape? <laughs> it's like the laziest writing ever. Um, We were kids in the 80s. It worked for us at the time. We liked He-Man, and that lasted. So uh, I mean, He-Man was better than Grape Ape. Like, He-Man continues, right? Like, uh, when's the last IP you've seen of Grape Ape? All right, I'll give you that. But now that you say that, I'm, I'm sure it's going to end up on Kickstarter in the next few months. It's like all the reject writers that couldn't make it. They're like, uh, I don't know. What are kids like? Monkeys? Apes? What rhymes with ape? Grape. Grape ape. There we go. Let's build a show. You are in you can the hire writer's me, room. <laughs> exactly. Uh, John says I need a grape ape car wars. I might A grape ape car for car wars. I might actually do that. 
Or even like the Snorks. Like all those <laughs> crappy cartoons. Peter does mention that all the He-Man villain names were essentially the laziest writing ever. Skeletor. Yeah. I, I, mean, I wonder if he's a skeleton. Uh, what is it? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's like Mosquito Man. He's a mosquito and a man. Manny Faces. <laughs> Guess what he has? He has several different faces. Yeah. I mean, th- that all goes back to like, you know, like Dick Tracy comics. Like you, you look at all those things, like even Batman, like Two-Face. Guess what he has? <laughs> yeah. Mosquito. That's what John says. And Beast Man. Yeah. It's it's pretty bad. I'll just yeah. open up the Seamon Kickstarter and read the villain names. And you just have to like sigh after every one of them. It, it's still a step you... above Grape Ape and the Snorks. <laughs> I wouldn't be too surprised if there was a grape ape in Masters of the Universe. Um, he says the best is Triclops. Yeah, I, I just, I, <laughs> I love the eighties. Oh, they were so bad, so bad. All right, the last game I'm going to talk about, and this is going to segue into this week's uh, topic. Twenty-two minutes in. Um, see, I can. There were some questions. <laughs> In the pre-show banter, whether or not we could make this show last an hour. And, and I Chris assure- said, I can talk about anything. <laughs> I said, I assure I you. I can just fill the void. <laughs> I can talk for an hour. Just, I don't know. Give me a microphone and a recorder. It's all good. Um, we, I just recently got my Kickstarter all-in of Western Legends. Now, Western Legends is a game that came out, I believe, 2018. Um, and... It is, I've heard it called, the quintessential Western sandbox game. Uh, But I don't typically like Western stuff, so I try to not really get into Western stuff that much, because, again, I don't really care about it. But something about this Kickstarter made me go, hmm, this actually looks kind of fun. And I started looking at some reviews, and I'm like, okay... I want this. So even though I've never played this, I'm going to buy all of the things in this Kickstarter and then I will wait to see what happens. But you always do that. That's, that's my MO. It's, it's how it works. Yeah. I don't regret it this time. So I could have just gone to my local hobby, hobby store, The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, seen them at thegiftofgames.com, but I would have only gotten the base game. And then I all the extra stuff wouldn't have been here and I would have been like, wait a minute, I just played the base game and I haven't gotten to play any of the extra stuff. And my life would have been empty and I would have had this huge void in my heart. <laughs> so I've, I've, I mean, I love my kids and my wife, but I need all of Western Legends as well. And so far, I've only ever played the base game because the base game is good and you can't introduce all the other stuff when you're introducing new players because that would be insane. Not as insane as buying everything unplayed or untested or on anything, but still insane. So uh, we'll talk about this game a little bit as we talk about this. But I want to pause and say, Fletcher, what is a sandbox game to you? Um, so a sandbox game to me, and I've never played any sandbox board games. But um, in the traditional sense, a sandbox game is kind of like a game of what you make of it. Like it's, you know, you're playing in a sandbox, like a literal sandbox. You have your shovel, you have your bucket, you have a dump dump truck, you have, you know, maybe army men or whatever. You make your own game in this sandbox. And that's what a sandbox game is to me. And you can think of like... I'm going to let you get away with that because I was actually away from my microphone. I couldn't correct you in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, you know, like playing with Lego is kind of like sandboxy in a way, or you know, the, the video game Minecraft that's a sandbox game. So yes. it's like The Sims, it's what you make of it. I think that's a great definition. So yeah, it's essentially here's here's a rule system. Do whatever you want. Yeah. N- now in board game form, that's a little tricky because here's a rule system. Do whatever you want. There's no real ending to it. Now, you can certainly do that, but I think that would actually be what you said. That would be Legos. Here's the Lego board game. Here's a bunch of pieces on the board. Do whatever you want and (laughs) stop when you get bored. It's great. It's called going to the Lego store and buying Lego in bulk. (laughs) Yeah. I need another Lego board game. (laughs) Yeah. I need another expansion. I'm going to get the Millennium Vulcan. I need another two by six. (laughs) Yeah. So in, in board game form, sandbox games tend to be those games that here's a rule system. Your goal tends to be completing something. Now, the ones that I'm going to talk about that I know more so than others are Zaya and Western Legends right now. And the goal there is they both have the same goal. You're trying to earn legendary points. And you set a number of legendary points that you're trying to earn to that the first person to triggers the end of the game. And then there's usually a couple more, another round or something. Everyone has equal turns and whoever has the most points at the end wins. Now there can be a number of different end conditions. And what is a sandbox game can vary in a board game, like what people define things as a sandbox game. So for example, Terrence asks, you know, could actually Michael asks, could car wars be considered a sandbox game? Um, Are four X games, Could those be considered sandbox games? And usually no, for no good reason besides they have a superseding thing about them that you're trying to do. Like Twilight Imperium. You've played Twilight Imperium. You know, I played Twilight Imperium. Every one of our listeners has played Twilight Imperium because everyone has a spare eight hours to play this game every, (laughs) like every week. So, but let's, let's talk about Twilight Imperium for just a moment. Is that a sandbox game? It's definitely a 4X game, but is it a sandbox game? And if so, why? And if not, why? John says nope, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Um, so I've never played a a true board game sandbox game. So I don't know if I have anything to compare it to. But in my head, I want to say no, because it's not sandboxy in the way where it's like... um. Where it's like, oh, I I can satisfy the win condition by just kind of like boosting my economy. Like, well, maybe you can. I don't know. It, it it's sandbox, a tricky one. Sandbox needs to be like much more like open. Yes, I don't know. I know. That's why I say forex games. And for again, just to not make assumptions, forex um, explore, expand, exploit, and. Exterminate. Exterminate. Yeah, there we go. It gives you a lot of options, right? 4X games give you a ton of options. And I guess in a way they could be considered sandboxy. Like Twilight Imperium, maybe it is. Maybe you could. I can just go the technology track and and turtle up and I'll be fine. But I think the thing with that is... It seems more to do with like random draws for like, like, oh, I I got these like you know, uh, cards that will allow me to like do this. So I'm, I'm going to like fulfill this, you know, objective, but there's not, there's not really objectives in a true sandbox game. Yeah. And it feels like there's a lot of forced player interaction 
in something in a 4X game, where a true sandbox game, there is optional player interaction typically. Like you, you never really have to interact with other players, but there's usually something that encourages you to interact with other players. So let me describe Western Legends for a moment. Um, I know you haven't played this, and I would presume that more people have played Twilight Imperium than Western Legends of our listeners. So I just, you know, of the audience left that's not played either of these, Western Legends is a Western-style game, an American West-style game. And you are going to get a character card that... For I think they're all there's a ton when you when you get all the expansions there's a ton but in the base game all of the cards in the base game represent real Western um, figures so you can play Billy the Kid I was looking, or I'm Wilder. on board game geek yeah I'm I'm on board game geek geek and then there's like Doc Holiday yeah like you said Wyatt Earp. Yeah, and they all give you a little bit of story about them. Each one of them has a special ability that kicks in after you get to five legendary points. But in the game, in the base game, uh, you can do a number of things, typically three or four different things that may or may not overlap with what other people are doing. You can be, you can get points on the martial track. So you're a good guy. And once you're on the martial track, you can arrest bad guys. You could be on the bad guy track. And the longer you're on the bad guy track, the more points you get every round because you're just, you know, getting bad guy points. You could be on neither. You can gamble. There's, you can just, you could sit in town the entire game and do nothing but play poker and then go to the brothel, which I think they call the cabaret in the game. Like you go earn some money and then you go spend it at the brothel and you're going to make a ton of legendary points because you're just, uh, you know, that type of gambler yeah because uh, what <laughs> hey you you it, legendary points are what you make i have though. become legendary by going to the brothel <laughs> hey and gambling look at maverick like i want to be maverick when i was maverick was one of my favorite movies and hey he didn't go to the brothel a lot but he made himself a legend in gambling right and in the expansion you know, uh, called anti-up, so it's appropriate. They actually add a new gambler track. So you can be on the martial track, the wanted track, or the gambler track. So you can actually become a gambling legend. Uh, there's You can prospect for gold. You can rob banks. In the expansion, you can rob trains. You can take out bandits, which can be good or bad, depending on what size. So if you're a marshal, you go take out bandits for martial points. And if you're a bad guy, you take out bandits for legendary points as you're essentially bringing them to your side and, you know, building up your posse. Oh, there's the posse uh, mini expansion that you can get. There's uh, the frontier expansion. So you could go around and explore and populate different parts of the town. There's, there's just so many different things you can do and you can arrest other players. So if Michael is up there on the, the wanted track and I'm anywhere on the Marshall track and I'm like, he's getting too powerful. I can go out and fight him and send him to jail, which then he loses all his wanted points. He's reformed his ways, and he can go do other things. Uh, Michael or uh, Miles says so. A role playing game, sort of, and that's what makes sandbox games kind of feel like sandbox games. Is you're building your own story as you play. You're not playing through a story. You're playing to make a story, and it is a ton of fun. Now there are pros and cons to these kinds of games. But it's so much fun. Now, Western Legends is in, you know, set in the West and the American West. I have to be clear on this. Uh, Zaya, which is a space 
um, sandbox game. This is set in space. And in Zaya, you have a ship. You can build up your ship. You can upgrade your ship. You can take on pirates. You can fight other players if you want to. You can pick up and deliver cargo. You can take on different missions. There's a bunch of different things you can do to make a name for yourself in space. Uh, another one that I've thought of Sounds is... Like old, uh, like Escape Velocity, if anybody's ever played that back in the day. Haven't, but Yes, exactly like that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds exactly <laughs> the same way. Um, Tales of Arabian Nights, one of the earlier of this genre. You're just running around the board, triggering different story elements, doing your own thing until you meet your you know, personal victory condition. And there you go. And you're there your personal victory condition is how many of points on track A or B. But essentially, it's the same thing. You're running around. Maybe you interact with other people. Maybe you don't. So, you say you've never played a board game like this, but how much do you want to play them now? <laughs> um, I'm down to play anything. I mean, it sounds fun. It seems like there's a lot of different things to do, and I'm interested in, you know, trying out different board games. So, yeah. I like Peter's insight on this. So, he's like, with sandbox games, there might be eight different things you can do, and focusing on one or doing all eight are all valid paths to victory. With 4X games, that's not bas- that's not true. And I agree with that. In the first, you usually need to focus on one. Yep. In the first game, I maybe two. Exactly. You you have to. Well, in in a forex game, you might have to focus on all of them a little bit, but at some point, each of them is going to be more important than the other. Yeah. So the first game I played with Sydney of Western Legends, we basically sat and played poker most of the game. The second game I played, and this was with Michael. Western Jen. Legends, come play poker. <laughs> it was so much fun. Come <laughs> play second, another game in our game. Yeah. The second game we played was five of us. It was Michael, Jen, uh, Elizabeth, me, and Sydney. And we were all doing very different things. At the end of the game, though, and Michael, I'm going to call you out on this. Um, sorry. <laughs> but the end of the game, the score difference was somewhere between, like, I think 30. Two was the high score, and nine was the low score. So Jen, who'd never played before, was like at 32. And Michael, who had never played before, was at nine. Elizabeth was, I think, somewhere in the mid-teens. And then Sydney and I were in the upper 20s. It's very apparent that these games have a learning curve. Like, you have to kind of understand how to get points. Because you can take actions all day long, but they may not actually get you any kind of points. And that's sort of true for all of these games as well. It's like, well, I'm doing stuff, but nobody's actually caring that I'm doing this stuff. Am I doing it wrong? Yes. But if you're having fun, no. And Michael said he had fun, I think. Michael, did you have fun? Shake your head. <laughs> so yes that's what no. really matters. Oh, all right. So Michael said no. It was at the worst experience of his life. Um. So yeah, Western Legends. Michael hates it. I lie. He, he said he liked it. <laughs> but he had to. It was polite. <laughs> <laughs> he said i would definitely play differently he said he played more aggressively <laughs> he was our one marshall player and then three of us were on the wanted track and he let us he didn't go around arresting us so we're like okay we're just gonna cause chaos jen and i ended up retiring in the brothel at the end of the game being so like riding off in he the was sunset a bad sheriff <laughs> he was he was not the greatest <laughs> But there's also a sheriff running around the board that anyone can control depending on the cards you play and stuff. So there's just, there's a ton in this game and just in the base box game. I highly recommend it. It was a ton of fun. 
Um, Peter says, after this recording, I'm going to have to look up Western Legends because he really enjoyed Zaya. They feel like the feel of the game is so similar. They're completely different games, though. Like Zaya, if I want to get my space fix, I love Zaya. With the expansion, the base game of Zaya was a little too roll and move and random. Um, Zaya with the expansion is amazing. And then Western Legends, I would say Anti Up is probably... And a required expansion. Um, the other ones just add a bunch more stuff. But Anti Up really kind of completes that Western saga. But again, start with the base. Don't start with Western Legends and Anti Up. Um, my computer wants to restart. We're going to tell it not to do that right now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Yes. So Fletcher, which one of these do you want to play first? Uh, I mean, we've talked the most about Western Legends. Um, I am a sucker for space theme, but Western Legends sounds cool. I'm down for Western Legends. Uh, my favorite. I want to play Doc Holiday though. All right, I think that's Sydney might have played that. Um, my favorite part about Zaya is the ship design is with Tetris pieces, so you get different ship components of different Tetris shapes and different ship patterns that you have to fit the Tetris shapes into in order for all those components to work out. So you'll never be able to put everything on a ship, but you'll get be able to be like, well, I want big engines, but the shape of the big engines is really weird. So I'm going to get medium-sized engines so I can get a better laser over here. And uh, Can you move just, stuff around? I believe when you do an upgrade, you might be able to move stuff around. But you can also upgrade your ships. So you start out with a little ship, and then you can upgrade them, I believe, twice. Um, or you can, you can basically get new ships at various times and be like, I have a new ship, and it's cool. Um, <laughs> Christopher likes big engines. Um, cannot lie. Uh, so there was a thread that I brought up. Sandbox games. Definitions, examples, top 10 possibilities. This is how vague sandbox games are. And this thread's on Board Game Geek. And it was a review or a response to review that Tom did on Zaya. And it is amazing. Well, I'm discovering. I need to stop in, just engaging on the internet. But... um. It's amazing how many different strong, <laughs> passionate opinions there are in the world. And apparently people are fine telling me that I'm wrong and I just don't like it. So that's why I'm going to leave the internet. But um, in my own little world, I'm always right. But there's a few others that people have mentioned as sandbox games. Uh, Firefly the game feels sandboxy. I have not played it, but I'm like, okay, maybe. Robinson Caruso, someone mentions, I do not feel that as a sandbox game in any way, shape, or form. You have a goal. You have multiple ways to try to establish that goal, but your goal is very, very much, it's not sandboxy. Um, and there's not a whole lot of people that are like Merchants and Marauders, um, or, or uh, what is the other one? Merchants of Venus. Those ones potentially, pick up and deliver games could potentially be more sandboxy. Where the goal is, go here, grab this, go there, sell that. But there has to be something else that's going on as well. Have you ever played Talisman? No. Someone's mentioned that feels like a sandbox game. Uh, Talisman's just bad. Don't do it. Uh, Miles asks if Kingdom Death is a sandbox game. No. Uh, mm, no. Because it's all about like killing that one monster. Yeah, it's it's there's really, like a lot of different like things to upgrade and and stories to tell and people, but like it's really revolving around combat and that one monster. Yeah, it, the, having a lot of choices doesn't necessarily make you a sandbox game. It's 
feels different than that. And some people, like, some people will hate them because there's no direction. It's like, wait, I can just do whatever. And since you have no direction, you have to create your own direction early on in the game. This is where the learning curve comes into. What are you going to try? What are you going to do? I can get that. Like, when when you first start out, since there's no direction, there's no one saying, like, go here, do this. You're just kind of like, what do I need to do? It's like, well, you could do anything. Do whatever you want. It's like, well, there, there's either too many options or you're overwhelmed or there's no direction. And you're just kind of like, I don't get it. Yep. And and you can see that in people's faces. It, like, you have a new group of people. You're going to have people that are like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And you have people like, uh, okay, what should I do? Like, it, both things happen on the extremes. Um, back to Talisman for a minute. It's not a sandbox game and it's a terrible game. So... Never recommend this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I actually Talisman. We should do an entire episode on Talisman and why this game is still being printed because I don't get it. It is Monopoly, the fantasy version. It does not need to exist. I swear to you, it does. Monopoly, not. the fan- Talisman. It, it's. I have to look it up now. Oh my I think god! We talked about it before. It's. Everyone, <sighs> this is everyone the thing I the- hate with board game names. Every time you Google a board game name, it's always like. The Great West or Talis- <laughs> Talisman, The Loop. And you Google these things. It's like, did you mean Chicago Loop? Here's a picture of a talisman. <laughs> it's best if you put every- BGG before any game you try to Google. And then that'll help a lot. Yeah. Talisman. Yeah, I, I know. We could do an entire episode on Talisman. I, I swear to you. Um, it was the game in the 80s that had any kind of like fantasy adventure feel to it. But it was a roll and move. It is a roll and move. It's still to this day a roll and move. It's a roll and move that takes way too long. It is Monopoly. It is Monopoly, the this fantasy version. huge. Yeah. Oh, it's... You might be looking at the eight expansions that go along and add on to the board. Um, it's... I. I tried introducing Talisman. This is a tangent. But when I first moved to Chicago and I got back into board games, I invited a bunch of people over to play Talisman. And so there, I think there were six or seven or eight of us. It, we exceeded the player count. But you have tons of characters, so you can exceed the player count. But we exceeded it by a lot. It was a six-hour game. One person was super, super into it. One person was super not into it. She was bored out of her mind the entire game. She beat the person who was super into it. Without even knowing that she won, that's talisman. Plays too long, especially when you exceed the. So it's like count. Monopoly. You can just and be like out literally of it just, and just be like, yeah, my like, oh, my rolls were good. Yeah, I'll buy that. Oh, your rolls were bad. You owe me a lot of money now. That's exactly what talisman is. Exactly what it is. So, if you like talisman, I apologize for your bad taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart. I I owed all of it for a long time, but. I have come to learn out new th- learn learn new things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. I, I actually looking at this list or people recommending. I have not played a lot of sandbox games, but I kind of want to. Western Legends and Zaya is the one that comes up over and over and over. Um, Merchants of Marauders. Someone mentioned Star Wars Outer Rim. Um, maybe actually Star Wars Outer Rim might be the closest on this list I've seen so far. That is kind of a very um, tight package Star Wars game. And Outer Rim is getting an expansion, and Outer Rim is amazing, and it's Star Wars based. So if you like Star Wars, I I can't recommend enough all of that things. Um, Star Wars Outer Rim, Outer Rim is great. 
<laughs> Christopher Dong, Fantasy Monopoly. You answered the question of why it still exists. That's fair. <laughs> you answered your own question. Yeah. Peter says, the only meaningful choice you make in Talisman is to tell everyone you're busy. <laughs> Jason asks about Firefly. I think that Firefly is probably, Firefly the board game, is a um, a sandbox game. And unfortunately, I've never played it. But the premise of it, I understand, is you're flying around, you're building up crew, you're taking on missions, and essentially you're trying to get a certain number of firefly points whatever they call them um i would say Space firefly the board yeah it is definitely sounds to me like it is a sandbox game which i like now and things like you know people mentioned mage knight mage knight isn't a sandbox game it is no yeah it's hard to say it's hard to say why is mage knight not a sound it's not, it's not really a it's not really a 4x and it's also not really a sandbox yeah it's just like it's I, it's it's something it's an adventure game which is different than a yeah. sandbox game. And why are adventure games different? They just are. And until you play something that can fall into this category nice and firmly, you're like, oh, okay. Now I see why this is different than these other games. Which this episode should help you determine, but we're doing a very bad job. <laughs> I'm um, good at it. So Miles says, Scythe. Is that a different? Is that a sandbox game? So you have different ways to get to victory conditions you have like 10 different goals <sighs> no no it is a euro game with choices which isn't a sandbox game because that's what i was thinking too is a euro game really just a sandbox game is a point salad game really just a sandbox game there's a ton of different ways to get points do what you're going to do to get those points i think the difference is in the mindset a little bit and then how those points come together a little bit. So when you're playing a sandbox game, it feels like you're playing in a sandbox, like a physical sand. Also, I think it just got entered in the Toy Hall of Fame. Yes, sand is now in the Toy Hall of Fame, um, which is why all this comes together. Darren, Darren agrees. <laughs> um, so this, this is all very topical. But when you're in a sandbox... I can be digging a hole over here. You can be in dump trucks over there. Someone else can be in another corner building a sandcastle. And we're not trying to do the same thing. In Scythe, they're all trying to do the same thing. You're trying to achieve these goals. Now, you don't need to all achieve all of the goals, but you're always you're all trying to achieve these goals. In a sandbox game, to me, you're trying to do things that give you points. And those points will eventually add up to saying, I'm cooler than you are. But how you get those points are completely unrelated to each other. To me, it seems like having not played these sandbox games, but like for Scythe, it, it comes down to like engine building. It's like, yes, there's a lot of different ways to earn points, but you're building this engine to earn you these points. Here's another one. It's using Scythe as an example and why I think it's more, you're right, it's an engine builder. At the end of the game, most people will have done the same things. So in Scythe, at the end of the game, everybody is going to have one or more of their mechs deployed. Everybody. Everybody is going to have multiple of their actions upgraded. Everybody is going to have resources that they've built buildings with. Everybody is going to do all of these things to some extent. In a sandbox game, that is not true. In Western Legends, nobody could be a gambler. Everybody could be gambling or one person could be gambling you don't know and it doesn't matter 
Some people might be on the wanted track. Nobody might be there. It doesn't matter. You can make these choices independent, and none of these things have to be done, nor is it assured that most of these things or any of these things will be done by everybody. I think that's the biggest difference between the two is, and it's not just a question of limited choices. In Scythe, if I decide to take the combat route, the best I can do is get two points. In Western Legends, if I decide to take the combat route, I can win the game by doing nothing but combat. And it feels very different than saying, okay, here's these different objectives that you need to achieve and achieve six of the 10 of them versus here are these different things you can do. You're going to get points for some of them. Do whatever you want. It just feels different. It's interesting. I got to play one of these. You just need to start coming up here every other weekend, and we, I will introduce you to a whole new world of board games. I should so, never say. So then, <laughs> <laughs> so Car Wars, you're saying not a sandbox game. Correct. Why, why is it not a sandbox game? I've never played it, but I'm going to be playing it soon. Okay. So Car why? Wars, and actually you can take this to any, any tabletop skirmish game. Skirmish game? Skirmish fight? Fighty fight game? The goal in Car Wars is to beat down your opponent. That's it. Okay. That that's that's the goal. Um, even if you set up scenarios, like if you would do, you know, Armada, uh, well, actually, you know, any of the um, uh, what is the game I'm thinking of, like descent type things or anything that has like a scenario, those aren't sandbox games because there's a very specific goal you're trying to make. Um, Miles mentions, or you win a race, but like, there's always a goal. There's always something that you have to do in these scenario-based games, which is why it's not a sandbox game, because your goal is, you know, win win the battle or um, deliver the item or whatever that situation is. A sandbox game has no goals short of acquire points. And even the acquire points is a meta thing on top of it. Um, Cam- Christopher Bug mentions um, campaign games. These are also not sandbox games because each of each of the play sessions will have a goal and then you'll go on and on. And even branching games like Gloomhaven isn't a sandbox game because you have choices, certainly, but you're still within a very strict set of those choices. What you can do is you can do this, this, or this. And anyone playing the game is going to do one of those things, which sounds arbitrary because I just said in Western Legends, you could do this, 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 or this. (laughs) <laughs> but all of this when you look at branching decisions versus decisions that you can remake every single time i think that's the big difference between the two okay so then how what about is dungeons and dragons a sandbox game yes all role-playing games are sandbox games okay but not role-playing board games does that make sense okay <laughs> that yeah no that makes sense because they're, I think like a role-playing board game has much more structured rules while a uh, role-playing tabletop game with a GM, you theoretically could be like, you know, oh, you get a note that's, you know, rescue this town from danger. And it's like, I choose not to do that. Or I want to side with the goblins instead. Yeah. So it's that adventure game versus I can do anything. And in a real, real, in a GM run role-playing game, you can do anything. Now, it is possible if you're on rails in a role-playing game, it doesn't feel as sandboxy as it could be. And different campaigns will be more or less sandbox depending on how comfortable the GM is letting you do whatever. 
but so there, there's that there's that granularity, right? If you're on if you're on Rails, then yeah, you're probably not a sandbox game. But so you're saying theoretically, yes, like uh, a tabletop RPG is is a sandbox game, right? But you could have so much structure put on top of it that it stops being a sandbox is, and starts being linear. Yeah, but it's not really. Right. Yeah. And that's why most boxed role-playing games, such as Gloomhaven and the like, those aren't sandbox games anymore because you are on rails. No matter how many choices you have, you are still on rails and there's a limited number of things you can do to progress that storyline. Got it. All right. Have we murdered this subject enough? I think so. All right. Let's do some drawings for winners. And if you've made it through this long, then you get to listen for your name. And if you haven't made it through this long, I apologize. I should have announced at the top of the show that there was a reason to listen to us. But if you haven't figured it out by now, there really isn't. So, let's... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I'm going to share my screen with our fair audience so they know that this is fair and... All of that. And I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do three. So we're going to see what happens with three, and then I'll just decide from there. So five, four, three, two, one. Our first winner, I have to find this person, is uh, Marina Stevens. Marina Stevens. You are a winner. What is the date today? Today is 10-25-26, if you are listening to this right now and not our live audience. All right. That's our first winner, Marina Stevens. So our second winner, five, four, three, two, one. I'm going down. And this is Wayne Kruger. Wayne, you are a winner. You have two weeks to email me. And then I have like a month and a half to actually send you your game. But um, it's cool. You, <laughs> you do eventually get it. You won't I get promise. it till next year. <laughs> I'll get it to you before Christmas, probably. All right. And for our third winner, five, four, three, two, and one. We have Peter Fleming, who is in our live audience right now. It pays to join live. All right. So this is the rule. Send me, take a look at the list of games on the, in the Patreon notes. Christopher Dong says Christmas what year? <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas some year. Um, yeah. So send me your preference. Um, give me the like two or three games. It's just that way basically what happens if multiple people want the same thing. Whoever gets there first gets the, gets the game. Um, and yeah, congratulations, everybody. I don't remember who you are, so you'll have to go back and listen. Um, I think I remember <laughs> Marina, um, Peter, and oh, the, well, the last one's not my fault Kruger. because Kruger, yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. Kruger, Kruger was a winner via email. Uh, so congratulations. And yeah, I'm excited for everybody. I'm excited for next week when we are going to talk about Kitty's first role-playing GM experience. Not that she's done it. We're going to talk about her getting ready to do it. I was going to say, like, wait, what? I'm not invited to this. <laughs> no, you're invited. This is this is going to be the, I'm a new GM. I've studied the system. I know what I want to do. I have everything that I think I need to do. And where do I go from here? And that's the conversation we'll be having next week. And it'll be fun because... Um, you know, we're always fun. It's what we do. Okay, Fletcher, should I read the outro? I'll read the outro so you can still do the names. And okay. I'm going to do it in my style. 
which is apparently reading these. Uh, Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, well, you can. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Tabletop. No, I am Tabletop. No, I'm Game Master Chris. <laughs> Woo, I'm really oh good gosh. at this. <laughs> follow me at Game Master Chris. And if you want to watch us live, check us out, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Um, if you have any comments or questions or feedback, that's feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. And if you want to be a patron, our patrons are basically the reason that I don't go into even more debt every month running this show. So you can try check us out at tabletopgametalk.com and click on the support us link. All of these links are in our show notes. Just check them out there. I feel like uh, Chris just made a sandbox out of these closing credits here. It's what I do. (laughs) Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Paz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Cercelli, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, congrats, <laughs> Gary Bunker, <laughs> Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Brian Ellett, Danita Hersey, Courtney Falk, David Wagoner, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Also, thank you to everyone who ever supported us in the past, present, or future. I'm really just going all in the sand on this one. So, Fletcher, do you have any good Halloween plans? And I only want to hear good ones. If they're bad Halloween plans, I don't care. Well, same thing I do every Halloween. Celebrate my birthday. Wait, is your birthday October 31st? No, my birthday's the 30th, but it's, you know. You like to combine it with that's, costumes? That's what I do. Yep, combine it with costumes. Um, yeah, just doing doing some uh, doing some stuff for my birthday, going out to dinner. And then for the 31st, I think Carmen and I are going to um, hand out uh, hand out some candy. Nice. Should be fun with some of the neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Back my younger self, I used to love Halloween because it's a great holiday for, you know, your 20s and 30s when you're single. Um, but this year I am not single or in my 20s or 30s. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to actually travel to Michigan and bring Zachary and Rebecca to uh, their cousin's house, where he will go trick-or-treating for the first time with a group of kids and really looking forward to it. He wants to, when you ask him what he's going to be for Halloween, he says a kitty. And I'm like, well, that matches the Chewbacca outfit that I got you. So that'll work. So he's going to think he's a kitty. <laughs> Everyone else is going to think he's Chewbacca. It'll work out just fine. <laughs> You have to do like a, one of those like a hay rides or something like that, like like a scary, you know, scary for kids hay ride. You know, not one of those like crazy haunted houses. We did a um, Grace Lakes did a thing in their in our park where they had a hay ride and they had train rides. He had no interest in the hay ride, but he wanted to ride the train like of basically for two hours straight. So, uh, two year olds, they're the best. <laughs>